0: Hello and welcome to the program once again. In our last program we ended with what could have sounded like a tirade of sorts against cherishing oneself above all else, that is what is commonly in Tibetan Buddhism called the self-cherishing thought. The teachings say that among all the deluded minds this is one of the worst as it causes endless sufferings. In fact it is said to be the basis of all suffering just as cherishing others, is the basis for happiness. Our self-cherishing comes from an initial grasping at a self as if it is an independent and autonomous piece of reality. Well, how do you think of yourself? When you're in a situation in which the sense of I arises very strongly, what is that I like? For instance, think of someone accusing you of doing, doing something you didn't do. Perhaps this has actually happened to you, so bring that memory to mind. Remember what it was like in that situation. Remember the indignation that arose based on a strong sense of I. Didn't you automatically defend yourself in the strongest terms? I didn't do that. How dare you say I did it? Though you may not have used those words, didn't the emotion behind the words arise strongly within you? Bring to mind that I that you are defending. It seems so firm, doesn't it? So strong as though it stands apart from the world and against it. That identification with the I is called self-grasping. Without any analysis or thought, we instinctually grasp at the truth, the reality of that I. We don't question its existence at all, but just assume that because it feels so real, it must be real. And then, because it is so vivid and so vulnerable, we value it above all else. We make it our greatest treasure and set guards around it as a king would his treasury. Should even the slightest threat or insult come against that sense of I, we set our anger against the threat. We may rise up in indignation, our body gets rigid, our face puffs up and gets red, the eyes glare and fists clench and we're ready to go to war. Isn't that so? This is a rather obvious and gross example. But self-cherishing comes in many forms, some obvious, some more subtle. If we want to see more of the gross, we only have to look at the antics of Donald Trump, whose sense of self and sensitivity to that sense are both enormous. For a more subtle self-cherishing, we might look at ourselves. What irritates us, but not so much that we want to do anything about it? In any case, self-cherishing is said to be the root of all our problems, If we didn't grasp at an inherently existing self and cherish it above all else, we could say goodbye to all our suffering. Now this was a theme to our last program in a teaching by Lama Zoparumashe on the five powers. If you've been with us previously, you will know that we've been discussing the five powers as mentioned in the text Mind Training Like the Rays of the Sun by Namka Pell. These are the power of intention, the power of the white seed, the power of remorse, the power of prayer and the power of familiarity. Now we've been through the five powers as an integrated practice for a lifetime and moved on to how to practice the powers for the time of death. We duly discussed the power of the white seed and the power of intention and in the last program Lama Zopramashe was talking about the third power the power of remorse or as he puts it the power of blaming the ego. He talked about a number of the disadvantages that come with cherishing the ego, or in Buddhist terms, the self, although ego and self are not quite the same thing. He says, all the problems we experience in this life, including sickness, relationship problems, and all the other problems come from cherishing the self. All of these problems are a commentary to the teaching on the shortcomings of the self-cherishing thought. Every one of these problems comes from the self-cherishing thought. Therefore put all the blame for these on the self-cherishing thought. Self-cherishing is the root of all problems. It is the cause of all obstacles and of every other undesirable thing we experience. He then went on to point out the difference between ordinary beings like myself, who have not given up self-cherishing, and the Buddhas, who have. While ordinary beings through tel- self cherishing and ignorance suffer all sorts of problems, Buddhas have omniscient minds and no suffering at all. This is because the Buddhas have completely swapped self cherishing for cherishing others. Lama Zopa pointed out that through this, ordinary beings can't even save themselves from misery, never mind others, while Buddhas have the power to liberate countless beings from suffering. We, ordinary beings, haven't even been able to achieve any realizations because of our strong self-cherishing, but instead have done things to cloud the mind, harm others and bring bad reputation onto ourselves. Holding on to the self-cherishing thought, we experience recurring difficulties, harm from non-human entities, suicidal tendencies and relationship problems. Wars are the result of self-cherishing, Giving into the self-cherishing attitude, one person can cause unlimited harm to millions. We can remember how much harm Hitler caused just through the attitude that he and his race were superior and others like Jews were inferior. More recently, as you've probably read, a man who holds on to the belief of white supremacy ran his car into a crowd of people with opposite beliefs, killing one and injuring many in Charlottesville in the United States. The rally that man was attending, organized by white supremacists, neo-Nazis and Ku Klux Klan members, all with weapons, was based on the self-cherishing attitude of groups who viewed others with hate. Lama Zopa also made the point that self-cherishing is harmful to Dharma practice and prevents us from properly respecting teachers and gurus and attaining high realizations quickly. By not attaining realizations, We are not able to fully help countless others, so our self cherishing is harmful to them as well as ourselves. Self cherishing also prevents us from attaining one pointed concentration, as it causes desire and attachment and aversion in our minds. Particularly, we develop attachment to this and coming lives, and that same self cherishing stops us from taking vows and precepts, thus, stopping us from living in pure morality. It also encourages anger to live within our psyches, thus causing every kind of problem. So we can see that self-cherishing is our real enemy and one that we would do well to thoroughly defeat. Lama Zopa goes on to show how self-cherishing prevents the greatest realization, that of the empty nature of all things. We will let him explain further, but before we do, Let's take a moment to think about our motivation for being with the program today. Seeing as we are talking about this defeat of self-cherishing and the arousal of cherishing all others, let's make that the basis for for a bodhicitta motivation today. That's the wish, to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all living beings everywhere. Thank you. And now to continue... Lama Zopa says that when out of self-cherishing we create actions that enhance attachment to this life, we are in effect creating obscurations that cloud the mind from seeing the ultimate nature, emptiness. He explains, self-cherishing interferes with our attempts to realize emptiness by not allowing us to meditate and causing laziness. Then we become attached to negative activities, to the deeds of this life, actions governed by attachment, pride, and so forth. We spend a lot of time and energy on these non-virtuous actions, the works of this life, and have no interest or energy to bear hardships to practice Dharma, to do the practices of listening, reflection, and meditation. Self-cherishing thought makes a lot of excuses and brings a lot of distractions. It becomes an obstacle to learn even a single subject or listen to the Buddha's profound teachings when we recite even just one mala of Om Mani Padme Hum, that's the mantra of Avalokiteshvara, the Buddha of Compassion, self-cherishing prevents us from having a virtuous motivation at the beginning. Or if we do manage to have a virtuous attitude, particularly the motivation of Bodhicitta, our minds are filled with distraction during the actual body of the recitation. There is no concentration because our mind keeps going to objects of, of desire and so forth. All of this is due to self-cherishing thought, seeking happiness for the self. Then, at the end of the recitation, there is no dedication. Even if there was some concentration or visualization during the recitation, at the end we don't dedicate. Or we dedicate, but we don't dedicate to achieve enlightenment for all sentient beings. Or even if we do dedicate that way, we don't seal the dedication with emptiness. So the action is done, but with ignorance. In the Thought Transformation teachings, this is referred to as abandoning poisonous food. When we seal the dedication of merits with emptiness, the practice of abandoning poisonous food is done. So you see how difficult it is to have a complete virtue with pure motivation, perfect concentration and perfect dedication. This is an example of trying to engage in just one virtue. What makes our lives empty is the self-cherishing thought. When the self-cherishing thought is abiding in our heart, there is no place for bodhicitta motivation, so there is no cause for enlightenment, the great success, the peerless happiness of enlightenment. Then all of our activities, including meditation and whatever else we do, even the normal activities of eating, sleeping, going to work and so forth, don't become even the cause to achieve liberation, freeing ourselves forever from the oceans of samsaric suffering. Our lives become totally empty and meaningless because everything is done with self-cherishing thought, which is an obstacle to achieving enlightenment. Self-cherishing causes us to have attachment to seeking future life samsaric happiness, and because of that there is no renunciation to this life's samsara. This means all the activities we do including listening, reflection, meditation and ordinary daily activities such as eating, sleeping and going to work don't become even the cause to achieve liberation for ourselves, freeing ourselves forever from the oceans of samsaric suffering. So life becomes totally empty and meaningless. Lama Zopa Rinpoche says that everything we do becomes the cause of samsara and for us to be reborn and suffer again and again in one of the six realms. Because of self-cherishing, we have already experienced this numberless times in the past. Amozoppa continues, If you really think about this carefully, you won't be able to stand it at all. You won't be able to stand the fact that in this life you are unable to stop the continuity of reincarnation. This makes your life even more empty and meaningless. Even if there is some temporary, very short-term pleasure in this life, It is just the result of previous good karma. The condition for that pleasure to ripen in this life is an action done with attachment, clinging to this life, and therefore it is non virtuous. For example, if you steal someone else's money and use that to buy food, a house, and a car, you may receive some pleasure. But the method of attaining this is non virtuous because of the motivation, and so the future result will only be suffering. Like this, since even in one day your mind is completely preoccupied with the self-cherishing thought abiding in your heart, this precious human life becomes totally empty. It is completely empty and much more meaningless than the previous example. For weeks, months and years, your whole life becomes empty and meaningless. And this is the greatest loss, the saddest thing. Then, when death suddenly comes and you look back over your life, you feel that it has been totally empty and meaningless, filled only with negative karma. You had the most precious human life and could have achieved anything, any happiness that you wished for, any of the great meanings. After this life, you could have been born in a pure land of Buddha where you can become enlightened, or at least as a Bodhisattva in one of the lower realms, able to do extensive works for the benefit of sentient beings. You could have received a perfect human rebirth qualified by their eight freedoms and the ten richnesses, and again had the opportunity to meet the Buddha Dharma, the lesser vehicle teachings, the Mahayana Paramita teachings, and the Mahayana Tantric teachings, which are so rich and incredible. You could have had the opportunity to meet all of these teachings, study them, generate all the realizations and achieve enlightenment quickly, without taking too much time. You could have received a precious human body with the seven qualities, or a human body endowed with the four Mahayana Dharma wheels, not just in the next life, but for many lifetimes to come until enlightenment is achieved. Especially, you could have received a precious human body endowed with the eight ripening qualities, a powerful body and mind, like Mularepa and those many other great yogis who achieved enlightenment in one brief lifetime. With such a powerful body and mind, one can bear hardships to practice Dharma, and from that, one can really have great development on the path to enlightenment. Not only that, but in future lives, as one achieves higher and higher paths, one is able to offer deeper and deeper and more extensive benefits to sentient beings. So, you had the potential for all of this, but you didn't take the opportunity to use it. You didn't use it. You missed out. And all of this is due to the self-cherishing thought. Now you can see how your whole life has been totally meaningless and empty. Not only that, but filled with negative karma. Your life has only been used to create the cause to continuously experience the general sufferings of samsara and particularly the sufferings of the lower realms. Therefore, you should decide not to allow yourself to come under the control of the self-cherishing thought, but to kick it out immediately, cast it off, and renounce from the heart the great demon of self-cherishing. As it is mentioned by Nagarjuna, when a fire spark jumps on one's head or clothing, immediately one shakes it off and throws it away, not allowing it to remain there for a second. Like that, engage in the practice of immediately abandoning the self-cherishing thought the moment it arises. In Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, the great Bodhisattva Shantideva says, It is easy, even if I am burned, killed or my head is cut off, I will never surrender, whatever the circumstances, to the enemy, the disturbing thought. That is Lama But even knowing all that about the self-cherishing thought, I don't really know what I would do if someone came to burn me to death or cut my head off. So I would personally find it challenging to make such a promise. One can only do one's best. In any case, that concludes the teaching on the third power at the time of death, the power of remorse. In Mind Training Like the Rays of the Sun, Nam Pel next talks about the power of prayer, saying this, We should make strong prayers never to be separated from the awakening mind under any circumstances, nor to be dominated by the misconception of self or the disturbing emotions. Which sounds like a little bit of repetition from the previous power. However, Lama Zoparumashe comments like this, the great enlightened being Pabonka Densha Nyingpo explained that the fourth power, the power of prayer, doesn't mean praying to be born in a pure land of Buddha. Rather, it means praying to take upon oneself all the sufferings, different defilements and negative karmas of all sentient beings and also praying to generate bodhicitta. Make strong prayers to never fall under the control of the delusions and the self-cherishing thought. Pray... In all circumstances, happy or suffering, good or bad, and at all times, at death in the intermediate state and in all future lives, I will never allow myself to fall under the control of the delusions, self-grasping and the self-cherishing thought. I will never under any circumstance separate myself from Bodhicitta. Pray also, may I be able to remember Bodhicitta my whole life at the time of death, in the intermediate state and in all future lives. May I be able to practice in order to meet again the guru who reveals the teachings on thought transformation and bodhicitta? You can die while meditating fully on bodhicitta or while meditating on emptiness. If you are meditating on emptiness, in emptiness there is no such thing as birth and death. So try to die with a mind in that state of emptiness. You can think, death appears to be real and existing from its own side and I believe it to exist in this way but actually this is an hallucination there is no such thing it is totally empty just keep the mind in that state so that is the fourth power the power of prayer then the final power according to Namkar Pell is the power of familiarity this mainly refers to the posture in which to die and the transference of consciousness called poa Writing about this power, Namkapel says this concerns physical actions such as lying on your right side, your right cheek resting on your right hand, your head pointing to the north with your ring finger stopping the breath from your right nostril and your left hand on your left thigh. Breathing only through your nef- left nostril, transfer your consciousness. In this context, the great Chikawa said, There are many marvelous instructions on the transference of consciousness but this is the most wonderful of all. Now to complement this commentary let's hear what Lama Zopramusha has to say. He calls this last power the power of training and writes The great enlightened Pabongka Denton Ningpo explained that in normal life you should keep training your mind in bodhicitta. When your mind is thoroughly habituated to bodhicitta then at the time of death, due to the force of this mind training, you meditate on bodhicitta while trying to transfer your consciousness. The Rinpoche explains that this is the power of training, and there's nothing more than this, nothing extra. The way to transfer the consciousness by the power of the conduct of the body is to lie down in the lion position while recollecting that the Buddha passed away to the sorrowless state in this position. It's very helpful to remember the Buddha because it plants the seeds of enlightenment and immediately protects you from being born in the lower realms. Recollecting the Buddha also makes it easy not to be controlled by delusion and easy to give rise to virtuous thoughts. Lie with your head towards the north and on your right side while resting your right cheek on your right hand. Block your right nostril with the small finger of your right hand so no breath can go through. Place your left hand over your left thigh and breathe in and out through your left nostril while doing tonglen. Now Tong is the practice of taking on all your and others' sufferings and giving others all your happiness and good fortune. We've gone through this in earlier programs. Lama Zopa continues, Even just adopting this conduct of lying down on the bed on your right side in the position of the lion as the Buddha did when passing away make a big difference to the way you die. It makes it much easier for you to be born in a pure land of Buddha. If you wonder how it's possible to be born in a pure land of Buddha by meditating on Bodhicitta, the proof is in the story of Kadampa Geshe Chakawa. Kadampa Geshe Chakawa was always praying to be born in the hell realms for sentient beings but when he was about to pass away he asked his attendant to make offerings on the altar and said Today I have not been successful. I have always prayed to be born in the hell realms for sentient beings but today that is not happening. Instead the pure lands are appearing. There is a similar story about Geshe There are more stories too. In the past a mother and a daughter were swept away by a river. They both generated a good heart and were reborn in Tushita pure land. In the south of Tibet in Loka where Milarepa built the nine-storey tower and where the Kadampa Geshes established hermitages and monasteries a boat made of animal skin was overloaded and about to sink. A messenger on that boat generated a good heart and jumped into the water to save the others. He didn't die and a rainbow came from his body. So there's no doubt that if you generate Bodhicitta even just a created Bodhicitta not the actual one you will be reborn in the best place. Gadampa Geshe Chakawa said, There are so many famous instructions given for transferring the consciousness, but none of these is greater or more wonderful than this technique. There is no more wonderful technique than this, because even if you pray to be born in the hell realms, you will be born in a pure land of Buddha. So whenever experiencing dangers such as death and sickness or whatever undesirable things happen in this life, such as having a bad reputation, receiving criticisms and so forth. You must always remember to apply the thought transformation practice of taking and giving. Furthermore, the great enlightened Pabongka Dechen Ningpo explained that even though we think that power, the special tantric technique of transferring consciousness to a pure land, is a great thing, and that to recite the mantras hik and pear and have signs of having achieved power is very important, Actually, if we train ourselves by reciting Hik many times without any visualization, we may still have the sign of transferring the consciousness at the crown, but that is due to the action of the wind and nothing to aspire to. The mind training technique of transferring the consciousness by thought transformation doesn't use the mantras Hik and Pe, but transferring the consciousness using thought transformation is the most profound of all the tantric techniques of consciousness transference. Even if you practice other power techniques, you may still doubt whether you will close the door to the lower realms at the time of death. But if you practice transferring the consciousness with these five powers, it is definite that you will never be born in a bad birthplace, that is, in the lower realms. So here, as His Holiness the Dalai Lama always mentions, the best way of dying is with bodhicitta, Dying with bodhicitta is a self-supporting death. Now at this point in his teachings Lama Zopa admits that the advice he has given above is mainly for Buddhists. But he then includes people from other faiths. He says, on the basis of this, meaning on the basis of the advice he has just given, other guidance can be put together for non-Buddhists, non-believers or those who have never heard of Buddhism or studied it. When you are helping others who are not Buddhists, you can use this advice as a basis for explaining what to do. Then choose and select from it what will be most helpful and fit for that person. This is how the five powers can help. He finishes off by saying, In the teachings the explanation of the five powers of the time of death is preceded by the teachings on the five powers to be applied during one's lifetime. This preliminary teaching contains the subjects of bodhicitta meditation, exchanging self for others, the shortcomings of cherishing the self and how to integrate the five powers into one's life. So if you're already familiar with these subjects, there's no need to give much explanation about them here. You can just focus on the very essential points. This is why I've elaborated on the five powers here, but how people use this depends on the individual. Even though there are long explanations for some of the powers, still one has to come to that point, to the conclusion. Now, of course, we went through the five powers as an integrated practice for a lifetime in previous programs and we did it quite extensively. So now we should have quite a good idea about the powers both in life and death. And I hope it's all been of some benefit to you. But now it's time to say farewell, for once again, our time is up. Thanks for joining the program and I look forward to joining you again next week. Please dedicate all the positive potential from our program today To gaining enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. Thank you and goodbye. For more episodes, use the AccessMedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.